my name is Julie Turney, and this is the HR Sound Off Podcast Show, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent topics and trends as it relates to our professions. We're going to have amazing conversations with HR professionals from all over the world, get to learn their origin stories. How did they get into this profession? What do they love about being here? And how they want to set the record straight on that one misconception that really drives them crazy about our profession. Are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's sound off. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the HR Sound Off podcast show. My name is Julie Turney, and I am your host. How are you doing today? I hope that wherever you are listening to this podcast, you are having an awesome day. We're going to have a great conversation. Just remember that the HR Sound Off podcast show is created by an HR professional for HR professionals, magnifying HR voices. And today I have the privilege of magnifying the voice of Melanie Naranjo. Melanie, how are you doing today? I'm doing so great. I'm really, really excited to be chatting with you today. I know we were talking earlier about the fact that we connected serendipitously over LinkedIn a few months ago where Mm -hmm. people were tagging you on a post that I had made. And I just love sort of that story because it really just, it, it, it feeds into this narrative that, you know, you can connect with people so easily today. And this idea that we are connected because I wrote something on LinkedIn, you write things on LinkedIn, people thought we would be good to connect with each other. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's really cool. And I'm I'm really, really excited to be chatting with you today. Yeah, definitely. Very cool indeed. And it is an absolute pleasure to have you here today. Um, The power of LinkedIn. I really do believe in LinkedIn. I think it is a great platform once it's used the right way. And I've never come across, thankfully, people who haven't used it the right way. So it's an absolute pleasure to be connected to you and also have this conversation with you. So let's start off by telling our audience a little bit about who is Melanie Naranjo? What is your HR story and how did you get here? Yeah, sure. So uh, I've been in the people world for about 10 years now, uh, which is wild to think about. I know for some people that probably feels like a lot and for other people that probably feels like nothing at all. For me, it feels like a good long while. How I got here is really interesting. You know, you know, I feel like I follow the same trajectory that a lot of HR people do, which is, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't grow up thinking, oh, HR, that's the dream. Yeah. That's what I want yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. I sort of fell into it. Um, And I'm really happy that I did for the record. But I think it's an interesting story because I think it's a good reminder for people that sometimes you don't know what you want to do right away. You sort of have to figure it out. Um, And and I think that's really important, especially in times like today, where there's so much uncertainty. Many people are being laid off. Many people are thinking about changing their career paths. Just reminding people, you know, that... uh, a success and happiness and fulfillment can come to you in the most unexpected of ways. Um, for me, my story to get a little bit more specific is, you know, to be honest, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, uh, and when I was in college, I was very lucky to uh, get an internship in HR, didn't know what HR was, but was like, sure, I'll, I'll try it out. Um, then m- went back to college my senior year and thought, well, it's not sort of like the prestigious, glamorous career that I had envisioned for myself. So figured, mm-hmm. mm, 
maybe, maybe I'll think some more about what I want to do. Um, and uh, went to teach English in China for a year, realized I really love teaching English. And wow. yep. And um, I really love teaching in general. And mm-hmm. so I thought, well, HR is kind of like teaching for adults. And so <laughs> that's Oh, I ended up deciding, you know, I, I really wanted to give HR another try. But I will mm-hmm. also throw out there that, you know, just, just to put this out there for anyone else who might be struggling th- through this right now, part of my struggle was that I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to go about finding a job. I didn't know about yeah. how to go about selling myself. I'm the first person in my family to graduate from college, to enter the corporate workforce. And so it was all really exploratory. And I'm infinitely and forever grateful that HR was there for me. HR was yeah. this... Um, this industry that was really welcoming and open to people who were still trying to figure things out. And luckily for me, HR was it. And so it wasn't like a pit stop along the way. This was the path that I ended up pursuing long term. But I didn't know that going in. And it it was really nice to, it was really nice and comforting to, to realize that, you know, there was this thing I could pursue. I did enjoy it. And mm-hmm. I think that opportunity is there for many other people who, who might be, you know, trying to figure things out. HR is so broad in, in the yes. spectrum. You know, you can go into payroll and benefits. You can go into HRBPing. You can go into training and development. You can go into employee experience. It's just this really, really broad um, area of expertise uh, that's mm-hmm. just really ripe for exploration. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and also for giving a little bit of advice and some tips on how people can really explore their their career in HR. Because I think sometimes a lot of people get stuck on thinking, well, the only thing I can be is a generalist. But the truth is there are lots of different areas that you can get into and, and it becomes even more vast every single day when you think about the analytical side of people experience and being more data driven, um, which is something that I get very excited about. So there are lots of different ways that we can pursue HR. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll just add to your point because I think, you know, I hear about that a lot from people, you know, I'm mm-hmm. stuck in this area of HR. I don't know how to, you know, make the jump from payroll and benefits to employee relations. It is a big jump and it can feel scary. My biggest advice to people is just volunteer for things, explore yes. new things. Don't, you don't have to wait to get a promotion to enter the world of employee experience or employee relations. Mm-hmm volunteer to host stay interviews, volunteer to create the template for an engagement survey, volunteer to work mm-hmm. with managers, you know, on one-off situations. Those opportunities will open up for you the more that you put yourself out there. Yes, definitely. See a need, fill a need. And always be open to finding all those experiences so you can share them and be a part of them. I love that. Thank you. So what is your current role now and what are you currently loving about being a part of your organization? I love my job so much right now. And generally mm-hmm. speaking, I love my job. I'm one of those people where I have to love my job. If I don't love my yep. job, I'm miserable. And mm-hmm. for the record, I think that's perfectly fine. I know, you know, uh, you know, there's all, especially in recent times, there's been more talk about the division between work and personal and having better work life balance. And I think that's very important. But I think it's also equally fine if where you derive your joy and pleasure is from yes. work. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I happen to fall in that bucket. And um, what I'm doing right now is really, really cool because it allows me to leverage many different areas of my experience, but also Mm -hmm. of the things that I love to do. So I head up the people team at a compliance company called Athena. We do Mm -hmm. everything from hotlines and case management to harassment prevention training, manager trainings, DEI trainings. Um, And it's really great to be heading up the people team at a company like this because, of course, Mm We are attracting employees who care about creating inclusive and ethical workplaces. And so I really don't have to build the business case for HR. Everyone who comes to work at Athena already gets it. They are 100% behind inclusivity, ethics, all of that. The other side of my job is because I work for a company that is in the HR tech space, uh, I have this unique opportunity where I'm also able to contribute on the business side. So I'm right. able to share my thoughts and feedback on the product itself, on what would be most appealing to the HR audience. Um, I've gotten to partner with the company in writing and creating some of our content. Um, we actually just recently rolled out a manager training and I wrote some of the modules for the training. So it's just really exciting. Nice. I, my role right now, yeah, it's it's part head of people, but it's also this really hybrid, unofficial um, contributor to the product itself, which is just yes. wildly fun. I love that because that speaks a lot to um, employer branding, right? Um, and I think that that's a part of the HR story that we don't always get to be a part of or hear a lot about. But the more that we contribute to building the brand of the organization uh, and the more people see us out there, funny enough, the more people want to work for the company because they're like, oh, the HR people actually do live by what they say. And, you know, we can see them. They are human. They do care about the people. And so I want to be a part of that organization where that person is. And that's an amazing thing. Um, I truly get excited when I see that HR people are really embedded in the organization or are part of the brand story of the organization, right? I think that's exactly right. And I'll go a step further and say that it does so much for me personally in terms of Mm -hmm. my own happiness and confidence in myself. We were talking about LinkedIn earlier and, you know, we're both, we we both put out Mm -hmm. content on LinkedIn and, you know, I talked to a lot of HR professionals who are just sort of like, I could never do that. I would be terrified to put my thoughts out there. What if people respond poorly? I don't know how my team Mm -hmm. would feel. I don't know if I have anything to say. Um, or worth sharing. And I just want to say I had all those same fears going in. And all I have gotten since putting myself out there is just so much uh, validation, confidence, um, thoughtfulness. You know, when you put yourself out there, it's scary, but then you, 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 build communities, you connect with people like you and I have connected through LinkedIn, but you also Mm -hmm. get thoughtful thought partnership. People sometimes don't always agree with everything I say. And that's great. Mm -hmm. I like hearing other people's perspectives or sometimes they do agree and they say, oh my gosh, you you just put words to the thing that I've been struggling with all week. And that just feels so good, right? To like connect with someone and know that you're not alone, especially because Mm -hmm. in HR, it can be a lonely role, especially if you're at a a small company. Sometimes we're teams of one. We don't have anyone else to to bounce ideas off of. And so I just want to say, you know, building that brand awareness is really good for the company and for your employees. Yes. Also just good for you and your own. Good for you. Yeah. 
Yes, definitely. I mean, I have to say, as I've been building my brand on LinkedIn um, over the years, I, I have to agree with you. It's built my confidence in talking more on a very important HR topics, but also on sharing a lot of the things that a lot of HR people are thinking about, but they don't want to say it on that platform. So sometimes I get so many DMs versus people replying in the comments. But now what I found a huge shift in the last couple of months where people, more people are actually commenting in the comments section of the post. So I had a post that went completely viral last week and there were, I have to tell you, there was like over 200 comments. The time it took me to sit and respond to all of those comments and people are still commenting on that post up to today. So I, I totally hear you on that. And it really is reassuring to know you're not alone um, because I feel so many of us feel like we are alone and that we're struggling in our own little corners with a lot of stuff. But the post that I wrote on, and I'd love to get your feedback on, was around the things that my HR certification never taught me, right? Um, and I know that there are so many things that we, in in general, in any job, in any industry, there are a lot of things that you're your training does not teach you for. But for the most part, I feel like in finance and compliance and those areas, they really do get to the nitty gritty of a lot of stuff. But in HR, not so much. So I talked about so many things that in my years of experience in HR, I was not trained for in my certification. How to deal with any employee death at any level is always something really hard to deal with. How to deal with people who don't recognize that the message that you're giving is not really your message, but it is the business message. And as a result, they threaten you, they threaten your family or having your tires flattened. I've had my car keyed, you know, having people throw furniture at you. And the stories that came out in that post of things that people said their HR certification did not train them for this. The look that you have on your face right now is a look I've had on my face for days when I read some of those comments. And I'm telling you, there some of them are absolutely horrific. Like, I don't know how people have gone through, as HR people gone through some of the things that they've gone through. But what are some of the things that your HR certification, you know for sure, did not train you for? I mean, first of all, let me just acknowledge and say I'm so sorry that you ever had to experience anything like that. It's just, oh. first of all, it's horrible. But second of all, it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable oh, to treat right, another human being at all in any context in that way. I'm just mm -hmm. like, I'm devastated for you um, and just awful. Second, congratulations that you your post did so well and that you were able to reach so many people because as horrible as this was, it sounds like it was needed, not not the it behavior. It was definitely. Conversation. The conversation was definitely needed. Absolutely. Just, just wild. In terms of, you know, things that I was never trained for, you know, I'm going to be really honest and candid here. I think that HR is one of the most underserved, under-resourced, under-trained functions, period. And, mm -hmm. and I agree so, with you 100%, yeah. 1000%. <laughs> right. And I think that there can sometimes be a little bit of shame in admitting that, right? This shame, mm -hmm. this sense that, like, I'm, I don't know that I'm properly trained. I don't have a master's degree in this, this, and that. No one put me through any certification. 
that, or I took a certification and didn't train me on the things that I've been doing. So I've just been waffling about and figuring it out. I think there Mm -hmm. can be a lot of fear and shame around acknowledging that. But actually, I think we need to own these discussions and say, this is a a problem. How are we going to help the next generation so that this doesn't continue? Um, Mm -hmm. you know, to answer your question, I was not trained on anything, really. My whole career has been figuring it out as I go. I mm-hmm. didn't study HR in college. I never got a master's degree. Um, certifications were never something that were um, presented to me in a way that was uh, valued at my previous companies. It was sort of like, just get the job done. You know, we're not yeah. going you and listen i don't think it comes from a place of bad intent i think that for a long time hr was viewed as administrative and it, it higher was higher fire yeah higher fire it was beyond the realm of even conceptualizing that oh maybe we should invest in higher level growth for our hr team mm-hmm. you know like I don't think it came from a bad place i think it came from a lack of intentionality and a lack of awareness um and so Really, I, I would say that I was not, you know, but if you ask the question, you know, what what did my experience or what did, what did my certifications uh, not train me in? It's what didn't they? Because I, I, <laughs> I never was certified. I really, my entire career has been figuring things out as I go. Um, yeah. And so, you know, my, the first time I had to terminate an employee, which is a horrible experience for that other person. Oh, yeah. Right. But also mm-hmm. I'm on the other side of it. And I'm being trusted with this this really vulnerable experience for this person. And I have mm-hmm. minimal training. And it, you know, you just get thrown right into it. And so, yeah. you know, do I think it went as well as it could have? Yes. Do I wish that I had been trained more adequately? Absolutely. If you think about, you know, the first yeah. time you do an employee investigation, the first time you have to walk an employee through, you know, figuring out um, a reasonable accommodation request, all these things are really yes for you on the HR side, but they're also really um, emotionally taxing for the employee on the other side. So it's it's just mm-hmm. wild to me that, you know, there isn't more formal training around this. And actually, I'll actually mm-hmm. throw in, just in case this is helpful for anyone listening in, um, that's actually why um, I'm currently putting together with my company an HR boot camp to, to train HR professionals on exactly these kinds of things, how, how, to, yeah. how to more effectively and empathetically and successfully tackle some of these trickier situations that oftentimes people don't talk about, I think, because they're scary big topics. People don't want to talk yeah. about terminating an employee. No. They want to talk about navigating a, you know, a death of a family member of an employee member. or an employee directly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that these are conversations that I mean, I've been brainstorming on it on it for a while. So once your workshop is ready, please let me know so that I can share it with my community as well. But I also think like these are really important conversations to have. And um, maybe we could do a LinkedIn Live or a LinkedIn audio on it and start a series on some of these topics. Because I think that it's really important that we have these conversations versus posting about them. So maybe there's a collaboration in here. <laughs> I would love that. I can just imagine the anonymous questions coming in already. I think it would be great. Yes. Yeah, definitely. So tell us, what has you excited about being in the HR space right now? What's got you on fire about being here? A couple of things. I think always in the background, it's, you know, the I'm driven. I'm the kind of person that's driven by feeling like I'm having an impact. That's that's what Mm -hmm. I want to 
see change. I want to know that I helped make something better. Uh, in particular, right now is a really cool time because, you know, especially I, I know it was a few months ago now, but more and more recently, we're talking more about things like pay transparency and, you know, rolling out laws to actually enforce it, which for me makes me very happy because it makes me feel like I'm a part of history to, to be part of this change. You know, I think I think five years ago, it probably would have been wild for employees to think that, oh, entire states would be required to share their salary bans publicly. I mm-hmm. hope that in 10 years, the, it will feel wild for people that anyone would ever apply to a job without knowing what the salary on offer was. So so I am really driven by this idea of having an impact, not just at my company, but in the greater, in, in the grander scheme of history, you know, especially yeah. as someone who, you know, personally struggled with this growing up, um, you know. I didn't know how to advocate for myself. I didn't know what a reasonable pay band was. And so this mm-hmm. would have been so helpful for me. And so I, I'm I'm really appreciative of the fact that I can help make that change for other people who, who yeah. otherwise would be in that same position. Um, the other thing is just learning and growing. I love, love, love exploring new territory. <clears throat> and I think HR, listen, I'll, I'll be honest, I think right now we're we're getting into a little bit of a tough spot. So when the pandemic hit, it was great for HR in the sense that yeah. suddenly HR was pulled in for all the strategic thinking. How do we how do we work in a remote world? How do we work in a hybrid world? How do we how do we um, provide understanding and empathy for our employees during these difficult times? Mm-hmm. How do we how do we build a sense of culture when everyone's remote? How do we train our managers? All that stuff. That was great. Now uh, with the economy as it is. Budgets are getting tighter. It's less employee forward, and so I can feel some of those, um, some of those liberties, some of those uh, more strategic responsibilities being reined in. Um, mm-hmm. And yet, I still think that we are in a really great position and time in the HR world, in the history of the HR uh, trajectory. In that, you know, people are thinking of HR as more strategic. They are yeah. expecting HR professionals to learn more about the business side and be able to have really, um, really impactful conversations with stakeholders across all levels, including the CEO. And so mm-hmm. for me, you know, just thinking about that and all of the unexplored territory that there still is within the HR world is really, mm-hmm. really inspirational for me. Yeah. This is a really great time to be in HR and just for all the reasons that you mentioned them. I feel even equally excited, like you've re- rejuvenated my excitement on a lot of those things as well. So thank you for sharing that. I really do feel that as we navigate life after the p- pandemic, it's hard not to kind of think about, well, what's next? When's the shoe going to drop off the, uh, the foot again? Uh, or what are we going to be faced with this time? Uh, what are some of your thoughts in terms of how do you, what do you feel is the next thing. I mean, if I listen to, if I think about people like Bill Gates who talk about maybe challenges with internet um, in the future and things like that, what are some of the things that you think of? Because for us as HR professionals, we're always living in the space of like stuff that is going to happen, right? What What do you think is going to happen next? <laughs> Oh, that's a great question. Uh, Let me answer it in a roundabout way. So the first Mm -hmm. thing I think is, I think HR professionals are really, really going to need to prioritize more than ever balance. I think Mm -hmm. the instinct historically has been to go towards one extreme or the other, right? So like either we are very employee forward and throwing out all the benefits, hiring all the people, all the perks, right? 
or we're in cost saving mode completely. Yeah. And there's no compromise. We are we are doing layoffs. We are cutting back on benefits. We are, you know, everything's really tight. There's no employee forwardness. It's just about the business and the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And I think that both are wrong. Um, and I think that we've seen that, right? Pre-pandemic, yes, we had, right, right, right at the mm-hmm. start of the pandemic, we, we had the great resignation. Everybody was leaving their jobs because we were not valuing employees enough. Mm-hmm. Then we responded with the other extreme and many companies had to do layoffs because they could not afford everything that they had put out there. They had sold this dream and the story to employees that was not sustainable. And so yeah. I think whatever comes in the future, balance is going to be key and Mm -hmm. understanding that it's not an either or. I think, you know, when people think of things like, should you have a high performance culture or should you have a, a, you know, um, a culture of great employee experience? I think the two are the same. A high performance culture is required for great employee experience experience, and great experience is required for high performance. For a high performing culture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, for me, I think it's all going to be about balance in terms of what yeah. the next big thing is going to be mm-hmm. hard to predict, uh, to be honest. But I I imagine that, you know, it it will continue along the lines of employees, rightfully so, pushing for more changes to the status quo, similar to with pay transparency, mm-hmm. um, you know, pushing for just reimagining how we think about flexibility in the workplace, how we think about work schedules, everything to do with that, I think will continue to be um, top of mind, especially with all the return to office initiatives. I think Mm -hmm. employees are only going to continue to push for flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that for sure. And I was going to add to what you were saying, because I'm thinking in terms of where balance is concerned. I think as you said, employers go to one extreme, one extreme or the other, right? It's like, we need to hire now and we need to hire all these people now, or we need to let go of all of these people because it's too much. And I think our forecasting abilities as HR professionals is going to be even more important. Understanding the trends in the organization and being able to say, hold on a minute, guys. Yes, we do need these resources, but are there other ways that we could get that by looking at our current workflows, our current employee load, what in terms of what people can manage and what they can't manage, do we have to hire versus full-time employees or can we just get consultants on board and understanding that we could just do remote workers, maybe we could get remote workers in. I think understanding how to really navigate the employer demand for talent and how that talent should be entered into the organization is going to become really important for us as HR people to navigate and manage that conversation, to manage expectations of, of the organization. That I think so. A hundred percent. And I'll just throw in for like, you know, some to, to, to sort of throw out some optimism for anyone who's seeing that or hearing this and feeling stressed, mm-hmm. you know, I actually think, that this presents a really great opportunity in that, you know, I think it was last year McKinsey put out uh, a report that said the number one reason that employees left their company was lack of growth opportunities. Yeah. And I think during difficult, stressful times, companies sort of like cut and then they don't replace or they Mm -hmm. cut and then they replace in other roles. I think this is a really cool time to think about 
really investing in high performers and focusing on potential and skills rather than mm-hmm. just experience and certification. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which not only is a more inclusive approach, but is also just a great tactic for retention. If you think yeah. about, you know, maybe you determine that, okay, this particular role, we don't have a need for it anymore, but we do have a need for this other role over here on this other team. Who from that other team can we pull over and offer them a growth opportunity and invest yes. in them rather than letting that person go and then hiring someone else? Um, yes. I, think, I think sometimes um, during times of stress, uh, similar to with the pandemic, mm-hmm. we're actually forced to be more innovative and creative and find creative. opportunities. All right. And so yes. I'm actually I'm actually sort of excited by some of the constraints that are going to be that, that continue to be put around us because I think it will force us to come out with new ideas and new ways of succeeding that we've never explored before. Yeah, definitely. I think upskilling and reskilling is a buzzword versus we're being we have to become more intentional about what it does mean to actually upskill talent and provide them with growth opportunities. Absolutely. So tell us, Melanie, as a busy HR professional, how do you strike the balance? What do you do to take care of yourself? You know, this question always gives me a lot of pause because I think in an ideal world, and especially because I'm in HR, I can feel if I'm being, you know, candid, I can feel and a little bit vulnerable for a second. I can feel some pressure to have like this beautifully wrapped up answer of like, I do this and I have perfect work-life balance. Look at me setting the example. I think the reality is that, you know, sometimes it's hard to prioritize self-care. Absolutely. Sometimes sometimes I, I don't do a great job of, um, of really recharging and resting and taking the time that I need. What I have found works best for me is introspection and reflection. Um, I have found that when things get stressful, the solution, what what um, what I can sometimes default to is just work on auto, autopilot. Don't think about the fact that I'm feeling stressed. Don't question it. Just keep saying yes and do more. And mm-hmm. what I found to be helpful is, yes, of course, taking PTO. Yes, of course, you know, asking for help. But more than that even is just taking a step back and thinking about okay, what's stressing me out right now? What yeah. is the balance of the work that is bringing me energy? And what is the balance of the work that's draining me of energy? And how can I improve that balance? Um, because again, for me, I derive a lot of my happiness and satisfaction from my work. And so it's really a question of how much of the work that I'm doing is engaging and exciting for me versus how much am I just doing it because it's a part of the job and I have to. And so yeah. my not so neat answer is you know, I, I try very hard to pause, reflect, and be very intentional about how I'm dividing time, at, how I'm dividing my time, and how I am making sure to continue to prioritize that a good chunk of the work that I do continues to keep me energized and motivated. Introspection is just as important. Yes, you need that too. And to just pause and re- respect the power of the pause. I think sometimes people get uncomfortable in silence, in their own silence, whatever that does for their mind and their thoughts. But I think introspection is important and enjoying your silence and those moments to just really think about how you can best take care and make sure you manage your time effectively is just as important. So thank you for sharing that. Of course. And I think I'll just briefly add, I think you 
used a really important language here, which is it can be uncomfortable to be in the silence. And I just mm-hmm. want to sort of give acknowledgement to why that might be, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's uncomfortable because you might have to face a hard truth. Maybe you are no longer happy at your job. Maybe mm-hmm. you are no longer aligned with the values of your company. And that can be scary. And it's easier yeah. to just keep going than to mm-hmm. say, maybe I need to make a change. Maybe I need to have some tough discussions. Um, but on the other side of that, if you do take that leap and you do have those hard discussions or you do make those tough decisions, uh, you really can find so much more happiness and fulfillment. And so I just want to acknowledge that, like, yeah, it can be hard and scary. There's an understandable reason why. And also that doesn't make it any less worth it. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Respect the discomfort. Yeah. Be Respect comfortable the- with being uncomfortable. Respect yeah. the discomfort. Ooh, Feel the feelings. With these, with these pippy punchlines, I love it. <laughs> it's the coach in me. That's all I can see. <laughs> I love it. So tell us, Melanie, what are you reading, watching, listening to right now that you think our audience would appreciate? Well, my favorite HR book that I always recommend is The Advantage by mm-hmm. uh, Patrick. Oh, I, ha- I don't have his last name. Patrick L., but it's called The Advantage. Look it up. Um, Mm -hmm. But I actually would throw out there, sometimes I think it can be a little bit overwhelming, especially now with LinkedIn becoming as popular as it is, which for the record, I think is a great thing. But I think sometimes Mm -hmm. it can be a little bit overwhelming, all the different resources that are available to people. Like, everyone's feeling behind, like I'm not caught up. There's always a new trend. There's a new buzzword. I remember for Mm -hmm. a while, like every week it felt like there was a new word. There was quiet quitting, quiet hiring, like all that things. Quiet firing. Quiet firing, (laughs) yes. We're all quiet. All of it. it. And I think, you know, sometimes I think it does. I think words are powerful. I think language is important. I think, you know, being able to name a thing uh, can make such a difference. Things that have been helpful for me, for example, is like understanding the concept of context switching, understanding the concept of recency bias, right? Like I think words are powerful and helpful in all of that. And also I think that sometimes people underestimate the power of observing what's immediately around you. I think sometimes the an- you don't have to look that far for the answers. Um, and so I would just encourage people like, yes, go read some smart books, listen to some smart podcasts, listen to this podcast, right? But also it's okay to just take a step back and say, you know what, I'm going to spend this next quarter just looking at my own company and observing our own dynamics and seeing who on the executive team I can learn from who on my own HR team is a smart peer that I would want to leverage, right? Mm-hmm. And especially because if I, I fully believe that most companies, right, have some degree of talent density, right? And so, yes. right, everyone was hired for a reason. And so, you know, I think why why do we always try so hard to go the hardest path and, yeah. you know, I'll read this book, go on LinkedIn, connect with this person you've never met before, which is great, right? But you have all these resources readily available to you mm-hmm. right at your own company. And so mm-hmm. my recommendation would be like, go educate yourself, but also uh, make sure that you're not uh, overlooking the the resources um, that you have in-house. Right. Look at the smart people inside. There's a reason why they're there. Exactly. I like that. I like that a lot. But we'll check out the advantage for sure. And I'll share that in the in the comments of this podcast. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. The big question, Melanie, what is the biggest misconception about HR that really bothers you that you want to set the record straight on right here, right now? 
Oh, I see I that smile because I yeah. know there are so many and I give so, you one. <laughs> yeah, this is funny because I have sort of like a love-hate relationship with this, but I'm being completely honest. I mm -hmm. am such a super fan of HR stereotypes. I want to acknowledge that in many ways they can be detrimental and negatively impactful, all that, right? And also, I love Toby on The Office. Anytime there's a joke on HR in a TV show, I am mm -hmm. obsessed. I'm like, yes. <laughs> but you know what? In another life, if I ever switch careers, I'd like to go become a TV producer and create a show that's all about an HR team. And you just follow them through some of the wacky things that happen because mm -hmm. there are just some wild stories. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and so, you know, in some ways, I think it can be healthy to poke fun at ourselves and acknowledge, you know, some of the things that we do do that are maybe not so great. I think sometimes we can get stuck in our ways. I have yeah. definitely caught myself sometimes when, you know, occasionally someone will say like, but why should we do it that way? And I might think like for a minute, my instinct might be, well, because that's just how it's always been done, which is obviously wrong. And yeah. so I think it's healthy to be able to poke fun at yourself and acknowledge some of these things because mm -hmm. it, it just creates self-awareness and it opens you up. It, it lowers those defensive barriers. Yes. On the other hand, I do think that there are some like truly detrimental HR stereotypes that are just not true or that we need to take action on. Um, and so my biggest one actually ties into, you know, our earlier discussion, which mm -hmm. is I think that people can forget that HR professionals are people too. And it sounds really obvious when you say it that way, but I think it's so easy to forget when, you know, there's, a, there's an HR professional who is, to your point, having to communicate a message that they themselves, you know, are, are really struggling with, or yeah. they're having to lead layoffs and it's miserable for them. And for the mm -hmm. record, it is more miserable for the person being laid off. I want to yes. be very clear on that. I am not mm -hmm. trying to from that but i think no. that sometimes there's no room for for flaws if you know an hr person makes a mistake wow they suck at their job they're a terrible person they don't care they don't have empathy sometimes an hr person like anyone else is having a bad day sometimes they just say the wrong thing sometimes mm -hmm. they get stuck in uh in our, uh, a debate and are not yeah. able to pull themselves out of it and say you know mm -hmm. what I'm being defensive right now, right? Yeah. And I think there is much less empathy and room for error when it comes to HR people because people just assume, well, this is your job. You should know. You should know how to control your emotions. Yes. You should, but you know. I? I'm human at the end of the day. Exactly. You know, even when you mm -hmm. think about like career growth, right? Oh, what trouble could you have with career growth? That's your whole area of expertise. You train other people on how to grow. That doesn't mm -hmm. mean that I'm not dealing with my own things, that we're not dealing exactly. with our own, you know, insecurities, um, anxieties around how to ask for a promotion for ourselves. You know, it's mm -hmm. always easier to advocate for someone else than for yourself. Someone else. <laughs> That's right. A hundred percent. And I think also, you know, we need to keep in mind some of the power and gender and racial dynamics at play as well. If you think mm -hmm. about the fact that the majority of people, professionals identify as women, right? And if you look at historically that, you know, unfortunately there have been many pay gaps for women. These discussions have been harder when women yeah. speak up. Uh, they are, you know, instead of lauded for being uh, uh, assertive, they are called bossy or, uh, you know, uh, Difficult, uh, pushy, demanding, pushing. Demanding, 
all mm-hmm. those things. And so, you know, I think it's really important just to, to realize that everyone is a nuanced human being with their own history and lived experiences and they're, you know, liable to make mistakes. And it's in everyone's best interest that, you know, we treat them as such, right? If so, if, if an HR person makes a mistake, call it out, give them feedback, but, you know, be open to the fact that they're all, they just like you are on their growing and learning journey. Absolutely. Recognize that HR people are people too. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's the long and short of it, because I think they think that we're either supernatural or we're robots. Something's not quite real about these people in HR. Um, <clears throat> I mean, for the record, I would love to be a supernatural robot. That would be pretty darn cool. Uh, I think so. That- <laughs> See, we are human. We yeah. are human with the same feelings and thoughts. And what is it that that Shakespeare play says, you know, prick us, do we not bleed? Yes, um, exactly. <laughs> just the same way. So I think that um, that's a very good one and a very important one. So thank you for sharing that. With that being said, Melanie, you have survived your time in the sound booth today. Thank you so much for being here, for sharing your thoughts, your insights, and just sharing space with us. And your energy is amazing. So thank you so much for being here. Tell our beautiful audience how they can contact you on social media if they want to learn more from you. Subscribe to your newsletter. I actually love your newsletter, How to People. So go subscribe to that, but tell them where they can find you. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, I'm on LinkedIn. My name is Melanie Naranjo. Just look me up. You'll find me. I'm usually posting about something or another. Um, And uh, feel free to DM me. I'm always really... uh, really excited for the opportunity to connect with other people, professionals. I think we, you know, have a lot of opportunity to learn from each other. Absolutely. For sure. So now you've heard how to find Melanie, go connect with her right away. Thank you so much, Melanie. Thank you. It was a pleasure having you. You're welcome. Same here. Absolutely. Thank you for joining me for this episode of HR Sound Off. I hope that you found it useful. You can find this and all of the episodes of HR Sound Off on all major podcast platforms. Spotify, Apple, Amazon, you name it, we're there. Remember, HR Sound Off is created by HR professionals for HR professionals. If you would like to share your story, then reach out to us and let us know. Make sure to hit the notification bell and subscribe to HR Sound Off on YouTube as well as Podbean. And we'll see you again when we next sound off.